This episode is sponsored by National Treasures Artists in Residence. National Treasures funds artist participation in artists in residence programs during their twilight years. They also forge mentorships so that expertise honed over years will be passed along one-on-one to a younger generation of artists and memorialized in a digital library. Visit nationaltreasuresair.org. On this episode, we have Lee Holden. Lee was born and raised in Northern California. He was a fan of soccer as a child and pursued his passion through college while studying at UC Berkeley. An unfortunate accident caused him to turn to Qigong for healing, a practice he had been exposed to while young. When it cured his pain, he embraced the practice and set up a studio in Northern California and began educating not only practitioners, but also teachers of the healing art form. He also earned a doctorate in Chinese medicine and opened a number of clinics in Northern California. Lee has worked or collaborated with Esalen, the Omega Institute, the Kripalu Center, and Deepak Chopra. He recently launched a documentary entitled Search for Superhumans. Lee, thank you so much for being on our show. Oh, thank you. Awesome. I am so happy to be here. That, that's so great. It's, I've been looking forward to this for some time. Um, you've accomplished so much, Lee, in the various things that you've done. Um, it's a real treat to be able to share your story with our, our audience. Um, I always love to go back to, to the beginning. And uh, I know that you were a soccer fan and an outstanding soccer player growing up. Share with us about that experience. And, and, and what part of the country was that? That was here at UC Berkeley. I was playing Division One soccer. And um, God, it was so fun, you know, just with your friends and playing soccer and flying around the country, competing. Uh, I had just, I think it was my junior year in college. So I was starting on the varsity team and traveling and I was like second game of the season. And I was just really excited to be to be playing collegiate soccer. And I had jumped up in the air to hit the ball with my head. It was early in the game and somebody took my legs out and I landed on my tailbone. And I heard something crack and pop and it hurt. I saw stars and uh, being that I was 20 years old, I said, I'm probably fine. I just, I got up and limped it off and ran around and played the rest of the half. Um, I did take myself out the second half, but I woke up the next morning and that's when it was so painful. I stepped out of bed and my legs just collapsed. Um, you know, I went to all the team doctors. I got cortisone shots, took Vicodin, and nothing was touching this. Nothing was helping. I was hobbling around to my classes. I was, I was feeling very depressed yeah. and very sorry for myself. And I remembered when I was a kid, I took martial arts. And this martial arts master, he had uh, broken this big stack of bricks. I saw him do a demonstration. And I was like, wow, how did afterwards I asked him, how did you do that? And he said, the power of chi. And I was like, oh, I want to learn about this chi stuff. <laughs> and he said, no, chi is not for hurting people or breaking bricks, it's for healing. And I was like, oh, okay. So that somehow popped into my mind when uh, wow. I was going through this kind of trial and tribulation. It's amazing how the brain recalled pain. that. Yeah, right. Exactly. Somehow it just like a light bulb, bing. And so I went and saw this guy and he did acupuncture on me. He showed me Qigong exercises and it was the only thing that helped. All of a sudden I was first treatment. I was like 50% better. Wow. And then I took, I did another couple treatments and 
I was in the next two weeks back playing soccer again. When they said I was going to be out for the season, I was going to be, you know, I don't, I don't even know what they were saying. It wasn't good. And, uh, you know, I was back in, you know, two weeks, but it was, it was really that first treatment where I was like, I saw a remarkable improvement after one treatment and a few simple exercises. And then I'd do these Qigong exercises that he showed me like before games and stuff like that. And people, I was like, what are, what are you doing? Those weird exercises. And, um, I was like, man, these work. And that was the catalyst for me to get into Qigong training and practice and, um, studying with Montak Chia and traveling all through Asia and whatnot. Oh, fantastic. Now, did you grow up in Northern California? Yeah, I grew up in Northern California. I grew up in Los Gatos. I went to UC Berkeley and then, when I graduated, I moved to Santa Cruz, California, and I've been in Santa Cruz ever since. Wow, fantastic. Uh, yeah. Do you have siblings, Lee? I have a brother and a sister. Okay. And, and they, are you uh, the oldest? Yeah, I'm the oldest. Okay. And, um, and your parents, were they um, athletes as well? Well, let's see. My mom was an aerobics instructor. Okay. And my dad was a judge. Okay. So apparently when you put aerobics and, uh, and a judge together, you get Qigong. <laughs> Nobody knows that, but that's, that's, a, that's a true thing. That's the secret formula. Fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> um, I just was reading about, uh, so uh, the Qi master that had mentioned this to you uh, was when you were doing martial arts at a very young age. You were, I think you were around 10 or so. I saw an anecdote. Correct. Yeah, I was, uh, you know, I was very interested in all kinds of things when I was growing up, um, soccer and football and running track and martial arts. And so um, I was, you know, just training martial arts and, and loving it. It was a, it was a karate. karate. Yeah. And then I got later in life, I got, I tried Kung Fu and even things like Capoeira from Brazil. Nice. nice. And of course, Tai Chi and and then Aikido and the internal martial arts as well. That's great. Very uh, physical. But there was, yeah, there was really a point where I had to decide, uh, you know, that in my mid twenties, if I wanted to continue with martial arts or going to healing arts. And I think it was that, that injury that really led me into the healing arts. I thought, you know what, this is so much more practical, Mm. even though the martial arts are kind of enticing. Yeah, but the healing arts is really where I could make a difference in the world. So that was I remember distinctly uh, choosing that um, in one evening in Thailand when I could go do some Muay Thai training or go do some Qigong training. Right. And I thought, you know what, healing arts is going to be my path. Nice. Oh, that's great. Um, tell us about the decision to study psychology at Berkeley. You know, I didn't even know what I wanted to do. That's, mm-hmm. I was like, what do I want to do? I want to go to business, economics. I, I, those classes, sure, they were interesting, but they didn't, they weren't passionate. I wasn't passionate about it. And I thought, you know, what is the closest thing to, you know, uh, healing arts that I could do? And I, I wanted to make people feel better. So I started studying psychology. And um, it was, it was really interesting. I was studying psychology and, and I, I was, again, in my, the end of my junior year. So I had already had this injury and I was a little dismayed because I had taken all these psychology classes and not one class told me anything about how to make somebody feel better. 
<laughs> and as I started studying Qigong, I, I was like, you know what? Every single time I study Qigong, I feel better emotionally and mentally and I have clarity of mind and my stress is way down. And why isn't this taught? Yeah. You know, not only is it great for your body, but it's, it's, a, it's a way that we're integrated. Um, and, you know, I learned statistics and I learned all about all kinds of diagnostics of diseases and what caused them, but nothing about how we actually can feel better. Yeah. And I think this was um, one of the problems of what the, the Western methodologies is that um, it's so focused on the, the clinical and the labeling that um, we miss the practical and the common sense sure. and the mind body connection. And so I was, I was cutting class. I was at this little <laughs> spiritual bookstore on, on Telegraph Avenue called Shambhala Books. Oh, right. I was, uh, I just yeah. remember like, I'm not going to class. So I was in this bookstore and I, uh, I picked up a couple books by Montak Chia, um, transform stress into vitality and, um, something about Taoism. And I bought these two books and I was walking out the bookstore and on the telephone pole, as I came out of the bookstore, you know, Montak Chia was going to be at Berkeley. So <laughs> it was like two days later. And I bought his books and there he was on the oh. telephone pole. So I said, God, I'm going to the workshop. And, uh, you know, luckily I didn't have enough money to attend. So I came there and I said, Hey, can I, can I work for you guys? Can I like do something so I can come to the workshop? And so they hired me to do a few little things and I, um, took the workshop and loved it nice. and, uh, developed a long, long lasting relationship with Montak Chia. In fact, I, graduated college and went to Thailand and trained, trained with him to become a Qigong teacher. That's amazing. Wow. That, so it was really that um, at the end of your junior year that that sealed it. That's phenomenal. Uh, how long did you spend in Thailand? So I, I graduated college. Well, let me back up. So I, I went from I'm a uh, senior year between my junior and senior year, the summertime, a friend of mine and I, we decided to drive, across country mm. so we drove from california to upstate new york where montak chia was having uh oh, you know a month-long training yep. so we took two months to get there <laughs> hit every national park along the way did rock climbing oh, qigong oh. practice mountain biking we just were like Amazing. total nature guys training i mean i was like i just saw him the other day and we thought what an amazing trip that was when in your life can you just take you know exactly. three months off and drive across country <laughs> And so I did a, a nice long training with Montak Chia uh, that summer. And then when I graduated, I went to Thailand and I went for uh, three and a half months. And he had hired me to be his ghostwriter. So I was training with him um, every morning before class started at 5 a.m. I'm at his house training and writing up books and uh, doing one-on-ones. And, and so I got just this great opportunity to work one-on-one -on -one with the master. And then I would take all his trainings with everybody else. There was, you know, probably a hundred people at the training. Each week was a different topic. And then I would take a lot of notes and write up uh, my notes into a book format, um, working with a couple of other people. And we wrote, um, in three years, I wrote about eight books for him with collaboration with other, other people. Wow. And so I would maybe two, 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 three times a year, I'd go to Thailand for about a month. That first trip was a little bit longer, uh, but I ended up going to Indonesia and training with some masters there, Japan and China. 
anytime I would go to Thailand to train with Montak Chia, I would stop in mainly Hong Kong or Tokyo and find masters to train with. And it gave me some great uh, context between his system and other people and what people are doing and going into the parks of China and just training with people non-verbally. Uh, and I got a real <laughs> intense uh, training over those two or three years for sure. And working one-on-one -on -one with the master. And I came home, every time I'd come home, I'd say, I wonder, like, how do I explain this to my soccer player friends or my, <laughs> my friends that are working in Silicon Valley in, in the right. mid to late nineties, killing right. it, making a ton of money and that they're all stressed out and getting unhealthy. And, you know, I have no money, but I'm just having these, you know, very rich, abundant experiences and traveling into, to, to Asia and training in this ancient art. Um, and so I started to distill information and talking about how this could be used for stress and for healing and for more energy and pain and things like that. And that became sort of my, my mission is to really distill and make this esoteric wisdom more accessible to modern people. Amazing. Oh, that's really phenomenal. Well, um, you began doing um, a bunch of your own um, programs, uh, DVD and audio courses, um, and you launched a school as well? Yeah, we have, I have a school and a training course here in Santa Cruz, and now it's all online. Yeah. So um, it's been wonderful to take people through a beginner's kind of curriculum into intermediate, into a teacher training, all through online training. And so um, now we have, you know, hundreds of uh, Qigong teachers teaching this particular methodology around the world nice. and it's growing and um, it's just it's just been a really wonderful journey to put that all together in a way that's uh, accessible to people of course and did you launch your center after you uh, in the late 90s um let's see in the late 90s i was mainly traveling and teaching nice. uh, you know i was traveling around and teaching in health clubs i was teaching like mind yeah. mind body fitness sure uh so you know be, before yoga was even very popular i was teaching tai chi qigong yoga in fitness clubs very and nice. uh you know i was teaching 20 30 classes a week just bouncing all over silicon valley i was wow. doing corporate uh, events too you know stress right. management classes in corporations uh i even had some gigs in hollywood i was the like wellness director on some movie sets <laughs> Um, nice. some comedies with uh, Adam Sandler and Rob Schneider and stuff like that. That was hysterical to be a, the wellness director on these movie <laughs> sets for these funny comedians. Right. Um, and so I was just doing all kinds of things. And then I started, um, people started asking, well, I want to, you know, I want to, I'd like to teach. I'd like to integrate this into my aerobics class or yoga class. And so I started doing trainings and eventually opened a healing arts center here in Santa Cruz with a, a really well-known doctor. And we had an, uh, uh, was Santa Cruz Integrative Medicine and Chi Center we had. Sure. So it was, that's where the school developed and started. So people were coming from all over the country to train and get certified. That's and then we cool. had a whole clinic, which was Eastern and Western medicine. She was a holistic Western doctor. And then I bring in acupuncture and Chinese medicine. And we did this for, you know, six or seven years. And it was just a great thing. It was so powerful to see how, complementary medicine could address some very serious illnesses yeah. very successfully and um yeah that was just a wonderful wonderful time and, and experience yeah no, that's phenomenal i was just thinking when you talked about being on those hollywood sets you know they have that saying that laughter is the best medicine 
And so, oh yeah, combining comedy with qigong, I think that's that's it's really a great formula. <laughs> it is. And then I met a qigong teacher who taught laughing qigong. They basically, oh, you just basically laugh the whole time you're doing any kind of practice. You just make yourself laugh for about right. an hour, and at first it seems really uncomfortable and kind of awkward, but then. Man, you feel good afterwards. <laughs> I always liked it a little bit more. Uh, you know, you know, watching comedy is a great thing for your health and your energy because, you know, laughter is the best medicine. That's that's a saying, but it's also true. Yeah. You know, people who laugh and smile and uh, have a good sense of hu humor tend to be out of stress, and people that are out of stress they live longer. Right. Right. So it is. It is medicine. Well, I mean, it incorporates all the um, ideas that uh, that are a part of your practice. I mean, just uh, like you said, uh, just this idea of being less tense and, and just channeling that energy in a positive outlet. And just the way our the physiology of our own bodies, when we're laughing, there's no way you can be clenched up and tensed in that situation. So, yeah, yeah that's right. It's like a breathing exercise. Right. And it just sends a flood of positive energy and chemistry through your system. For sure. And um, so anytime you get the opportunity to laugh, right. just laugh a little more. Yeah. There's some famous yeah. stories. What was his name? Uh, Norman Cousins, healing, healing himself of uh, chronic illness, um, debilitating illness. In the, I think it was in the 70s. He wrote a very famous book on the power of laughter where the doctors gave him that diagnosis and few months to live or something like that he watched comedies he watched uh, laurel and hardy and the three stooges and he just laughed his face off for a few months and he healed himself so he wrote wrote it up and then started doing research on it and sure enough the research came back with amazing uh, results so people that smile a lot and laugh a lot um you know have have that power of preventative healing yeah. And, uh, you know, the, the, the research is that kids and children, they laugh and smile over 400 times a day. Mm. And adults that are happy, it's about 25 times a day. Wow, so, what a contrast. I know. Oh, goodness. It, that makes sense. Like kids are just always goofy and smiling and laughing. And they don't really have, have to have a reason to be laughing. So, um, yeah, get that smile on your face. And, uh, <laughs> know you're doing some medicine for yourself and having a good time exactly well it's just uh it's another example of what we can learn we can learn so much from our children yeah oh my gosh you know children they just if you ask them what they do before the age of you know seven anytime you hey how was your day what'd you do today played and it's just everything is about play and, you know, when I started studying Qigong, I, I, they told me the translation isn't practice Qigong. Everybody gets up in the morning and they play Qigong. So you get up in the morning, you play with your energy, and it's this playfulness that is, that is so wonderful. And I just love that term that, oh, wow, that's right. We're here to have fun, to open our hearts, to be connected. You know, we get so serious and so weighted with our responsibilities and, and whatnot that we forget to just relax and bring that playfulness in. And uh, playfulness in terms of energy is what opens the heart. And mm -hmm. that opening of the heart is, is so good for cardiovascular, your cardiovascular system and heart disease is the number one killer. So it just makes sense, you know, smile, laugh a little more, be a little more lighthearted. Oh, and then we start to prevent problems from arising. And, you know, as a segue, you know, one of the things that I loved about Chinese medicine is that it's focused is on prevention. 
And yes. preventative medicine is what it's all about. Meaning that when you saw your Chinese medicine doctor or your Qigong practitioner, you would, um, you would go to see them and pay them a monthly fee. And then as soon as you got sick, you stopped paying because their job is to keep you healthy. Wow. And I thought, this is true healthcare. As That's soon as right. you get sick, you stop paying. Can you imagine how our medicine would be different if Western oh doctors thought this wow. way? Yeah, yeah. You go to the doctor and say, hey, I'm not paying you, man. I have a neck pain and a headache. You're done yeah. doing your job. Yeah. Oh, that's phenomenal. I love that. Uh, I had not been aware of it, so I'm so glad you shared. Yeah. And that's uh, how it worked in um, certain communities throughout history in China. You know, you would, it was called the five branches of Chinese medicine. Mm -hmm. That was acupuncture, herbs, nutrition, massage therapy, and Qigong. Wow. And those five branches were designed to keep you healthy. And so when, the, when you weren't healthy, then you stop paying. The doctor gets you back on track. You feel better again. You start paying again. And so that was, to me, that was a model of true healthcare. We don't have a healthcare system. We only have a sick care system. That's right. Nobody knows what to do if you're feeling fine. If you're like, I feel fine, but I, you know, not, not great. I'm a little stressed out, but I, you know, there's no real problems. Nobody knows what to do. They're just like, hey, don't, don't come see me. Don't see me anymore, and, yeah. And nothing is integrated. Right? right. If you're emotionally stressed, you go to a psychologist. If you have emotional issues, you go to a doctor and then there's all these specialists. And so nobody's talking about integration. How does the mind, body, emotions and spirit all integrate to create health and well-being? And um, when when the research came out on stress, we know that stress, emotional stress, is the number one cause of physical ailments. Yes. And that was revolutionary to think my emotions are causing my problems in my body. You see, Western medicine never thought this way until all that research came out. So 90%, it's actually 89% of all doctor visits, primary care doctor visits are rooted in emotional stress. Yeah. So whether it's a headache, digestive issues, you're gonna trace that back to emotional stress. So again, we're coming back to prevention. If we clear stress, if we get happy and we circulate our energy, improve our, our chi flow, all of a sudden, that's about 90% of those problems can be avoided. And that was amazing to me. I thought, you know what? This ancient medicine is right on with Western thinking and with Western research. Um, unfortunately, there is a lot of research to back it up, but we don't have a system that will implement all this research. We have to go back to the, to the ancient practices of holistic medicine and really see how do we prevent a problem from arising? That's really, you can't monetize that. And so it's not part of our thinking or our, our business plan or our healthcare system because let's face it, healthcare is a big business. You know, whether it's insurance oh, yeah. or pharmaceutical, it's a huge business. And nobody wants to jeopardize that with a lot of healthy people. So we have to take <laughs> charge of our own health and healing and go into these ancient practices and really utilize them. Because if you do your Qigong practice and your meditation, your breath work, all of a sudden you've prevented 89% of these problems. And then you become your own best healer, your own best master. Yeah, no, it's so true. Um, absolutely true what you're saying. And um, I, I've only sort of, uh, it's dawned on me, I've gotten appreciation for that when I've seen loved ones go through issues. Um, like my, my mom was diagnosed with lung cancer at 58, non-smoker. 
Um, she passed at 60, um, such a young person, but then you tied to, to an emotional stressor that she maintained for decades. And you yeah. can see like that was, uh, that's what, that's what did it. Um, yeah. So uh, it's so true all that you're saying, Lee. Um, now you did formal training in acupuncture. That's correct. Yeah. I'm an acupuncturist, Chinese medicine doctor. Um, I, I did a lot of training in, in healing arts in China, Thailand, uh, Japan, Indonesia. I would just train with these amazing healers and they would just, they do, you know, some of them were really wacky. They, some of their techniques were, were incredibly, you know, some very relaxing, others are, uh, are strange. Like I remember seeing this incredible healer in Indonesia and he basically he called it tendon plucking. But imagine somebody like right behind your knee plucking your tendons like a guitar string and like in your like carotid artery area, plucking all those tendons. And it was extremely painful. And I was like, what is this madman doing to me? But afterwards, my whole body was buzzing. Like this electricity was activated in my body. That was so amazing. And um, yeah, he just did all kinds of wacky, weird things that, that afterwards felt amazing. And in China, you know, you have these incredible healers doing visceral massage manipulations and acupuncture and moxa and herbal medicines. You walk into some of those, you know, Chinese medicine doctors and it just smells like this Harry Potter lab was so, so amazing to me. And I wanted to learn all about that. So I got my, um, my uh, doctorate in Chinese medicine and, and uh, opened up a few clinics in Northern California. Um, and I always would, you know, make sure people would do their Qigong practice. And I taught Qigong classes and then I'd give them acupuncture and herbal medicine. And um, I saw some incredible results with some very serious illnesses, you know, miraculous healings. And um, it just is so inspiring to me that this ancient medicine has so much relevance in modern times. And I think there's so much room to grow in complementary medicine because for emergency medicine, nothing, nothing is like Western medicine, you know, yeah, you have an emergency, a broken, broken arm, a bacterial infection, something you, got, you go to the, you go to the Western medicine and get, get, get what you need and then come to the Chinese medicine or the uh, holistic medicine. And um, it works really well together because chronic illness or how to, how to maintain high vibrancy and aliveness and health. Uh, there's nothing like Chinese medicine or, or ancient medicine of, of breath work, meditation, yeah. yoga practices, Qigong practices. These just keep you healthy and out of hospitals because Hospitals are dangerous places. You don't want to go there all the time. I mean, it's like the number three killer in America is you go in for problem A and you come out with problem B that kills you. It's, yeah. it's no joke to be, in, to be in the Western medicine system is dangerous. But, you know, when you need it, you need it. So, yeah, no, for sure, for sure. Well, um, uh, I wanted to ask you, um, Lee, you talked earlier about um, the corporate stress management that you were you're doing at uh, Apple and 3Com. Are you still involved in them? I know that a lot of companies are adopting more and more wellness practices for their employees. Yeah, I used to go there a lot and do, you know, lunch talks and sometimes like a 12-week session on stress management in Qigong. Uh, in fact, my first set of DVDs that I made, I, I, I looked into it. I wanted to make some DVDs. And it was about 20 grand. And so uh, that's a lot of money for a Qigong teacher in the 90s. Right. Like, how, how am I going to do this? So I really 
you know, focus my attention on it. And I went to this company and I said, Hey, will you do a 12 week session? And I said, sure. And they said, okay, how much are you charge? I said, let's do $10 per person per class. We'll do it for the full 12 weeks. So however many people sign up, just pay me, you know, for the full 12 weeks. So what they, they said, okay, sure. You know, companies at that time were, were flush with cash because it was nineties and dot com boom. So I had 200 people sign up and all of a sudden they just gave me a check for 20 grand. Well, <laughs> I was like, that is exactly the amount of money I need to make these DVDs. So I hired some friends and we went down to the beautiful Redwood forest and I produced four DVDs. Nice. And then um, those became my PBS show that aired all over the country. So it was just this Wonderful. funny thing where I was working in corporations uh, and uh, you know, it just funded what I, what I was really passionate about. Um, so now what I do, I, I still work, um, you know, doing some things that were Google. Sometimes I do keynote talks, but I'm not doing it as much as I was. Um, I'm really focusing on, in on re outreach and for, for people looking for condition specific topics and training individuals to become Qigong teachers. Nice. And then, um, my latest passion has been, uh, doing producing a documentary. Right. And so I've been really focused on some of that stuff. No, absolutely. I definitely want to chat about this. I just wanted to highlight before we talk about uh, your Superhumans documentary. Um, I mean, you've worked with some very prestigious organizations, uh, Esalen, Omega Institute, Kripalu Center. You've done workshops with Deepak Chopra. Yeah, I know. Sometimes I, I read back, oh yeah, that's right. <laughs> I did all that stuff. Yeah, I was on staff with Deepak Chopra. Um, I just interviewed him, by the way, for the for the movie, which was just fantastic. Um, you know, what what I did is I, I kind of went back through all my mentors. Yes. Um, and I just reached out to him and I, was, I just feel so blessed to be able to have interviewed Deepak Chopra and Dan Millman, who wrote Way of the Peaceful Warrior, mm. and Wim Hof, who's, you know, done all the world records for this right. ice training, and Montak Chia, my original Qigong teacher, um, you know, just and recently all these Dave Asprey, people. you mentioned. Dave Asprey and Tammy Simon, and I just, yeah. it was just, you know, when I watch these interviews, sometimes I'm just like, man, that was so cool to interview and just to be uh, working with people that had inspired me on my journey. So um, yeah, it was, it was just, just wonderful. That's so great. Well, tell us Lee about this documentary. When did this concept first occur to you? You know, it didn't even occur to me. Somebody else reached out to me. It was the, you know, I got a call from the director who had done a lot of directing of the movie, The Secret. Right. And so there was a producing team in Australia and he was part of that team. And they said, you know, we want to make something revolutionary. We want to do this incredible. We want to do this thing where we go out and travel around the world, find people with extraordinary abilities, film it, and then give people lessons around it. And I said, man, that sounds awesome. And I, through my tr travels, I had met really incredible masters that could do extraordinary things. And a friend of mine, he even knew more of these masters from the east because he made it his mission to just go out and train with these see montak chiar hired me to write his books he hired this young italian guy who was a good friend of mine to go out and find masters that had either incredible teachings or incredible abilities wow. and so this guy was traveling all around the world and was this so david put, uh, verdesi that's correct david verdesi nice. and i put him in touch with this producing team and then we all worked on this project for three years 
And I end up through random set of circumstances, I ended up being, you know, now the main producer of this docu-series. And we just released it, it's called Searching for Superhumans. It's online release, searchingforsuperhumans.com. Um, and we had so much content that we couldn't just make it one documentary. So we made it nine episodes with all these extra episodes of all these incredible interviews by these, uh, you know, people like Deepak Chopra and Wim Hof and Dave Asprey. And uh, the content continues to grow. And at some point we'll reach out to a Netflix uh, or somebody like that. But for now, we wanted to release it this way because there's so much education and we wanted people to learn and, and get educated and truly transform and tap into their own human potential. And so that's how we've, we've organized it right now. And it's been exciting and people are loving it and getting so much out of it. So it feels really good to have worked on this for two or three years, travel all around the world, hunt down and find the masters of the, in the caves of the Himalayas in Northern China and the martial arts masters and the, the, the wild Indonesian healers and the Russian psychics and just put it all together in a way that um, is accessible to, to everybody. Yeah, I mean, the list of locations is impressive. Uh, China, Bhutan, Australia, Peru, Russia, England, Croatia, and, and so on. It's uh, an extraordinary feat. Um, and in fact, uh, uh, a friend of mine, Addie Connor, mentioned that uh, she was with you in Croatia. Oh, no way. That's so funny. Yeah, yeah. yeah she was, she was. I, was, I was teaching um, uh, at an entrepreneurial conference. I was teaching about flow state. And this, this group of entrepreneurs, they, they rent this, this island out. So it was just 200 people. They took over the whole island in Croatia. And, uh, and I was teaching about flow state for entrepreneurs. And I met her there. And it was such a great event. Yeah. And then from there, I went to northern Croatia. And we did a bunch of filming with David um, interview style um, and practices in, in Croatia. So it was, a, it was just a wonderful summer trip to Croatia where I was teaching and did this work thing and then I and I did all this filming with uh for the superhuman movie nice no that's fantastic well it's a great concept and that, that you have up there um for the benefit of the audience uh, Lee how do you define someone as being superhuman okay so we all understand this concept in our athletics yeah. so think of these folks as the healing artists, the energetic artists, the spiritual artists uh, of that world that are the, the Olympians. They're the, let's say the gold medals, top of their class. And they can do things that the average person just can't do. We can't all run a hundred meter dash in under 10 seconds or a mile in under four minutes, uh, you know, or, uh, you know, the most amazing dancer, gymnast, right? They do things that we just can't. So we wanted to look for those people that would come across on film where we could demonstrably showcase their abilities. And so, for example, if somebody could uh, generate a lot of electricity or current in their body, and we found uh, hundreds of these masters that could generate this incredible electricity. And some of them would demonstrably show they'd crumple up newspaper and light it on fire with their chi. And so we were like, yep, you're an extraordinary <laughs> human being. Let's put you in the movie. So it was masters that could do things like that, that were demonstrable. Um, it was hard to show some of the meditators or the, you know, the spiritual artists, but we did, we did that as well. And um, 
So in the movie, the first episode is about the energy arts and the healing arts, and then it goes into um, the powers and practices of the mind, and then more spiritual practitioners and the Tibetan Buddhists and things like that, who when they have you know, tremendous faith and focus on the divine, um, miracles happen. And we've heard about this through, you know, throughout history, but we wanted to actually see some of these masters and what they could do. And, and to be in their presence was truly incredible. That's superb. Well, that's really extraordinary. Uh, what an amazing uh, endeavor and um, really uh, gratitude for your doing it uh, because you're bringing attention um, to, to these amazing people out there. Um, there was one quote in particular that really resonated with me. Um, Relaxation and peace is who we are. Tension and stress is who we think we should be. Oh, that's great. That's great. I know I, I say that fairly frequently in my Qigong classes. And um, there's depth to that because uh, when we relax, it is more of your essential nature than when you're contracted. Now, what, 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 when we contract, what are we doing? We're in survival mode. We're usually in stress mode. Um, and I talk about this in, in, in my classes with a good story. And this woman, I was flying off to teach a Qigong class in New York. So I'm flying cross country and this woman sitting next to me is clearly nervous about takeoff. Yeah. And she was drinking those little bottles of vodka and she's breathing deep. And as the plane was taxiing down the runway, she's grabbing her seatbelt, contracting her jaw and lifting up like she was weightlifting. So like she's white knuckling it. And I thought, oh, this is the perfect example of how we hold excess tension in our bodies. Because in her mind, she was helping the plane take off. She's pulling up and helping this plane lift off the ground. And I wanted to say, you know, thanks for lifting so hard on your seatbelt. I'm sure if you didn't do that, the plane wouldn't have taken off. So I really appreciate that. And you know what's funny is that we all have planes that we're trying to lift off the ground each and every day. We're holding way too much tension in our neck and shoulders and our job. When we think about the future or the stock market or that meeting that we have to have or something that's stressing us out, we're going to contract our neck and shoulders. And that limits the flow of energy and it dissipates our, our energy. So if you relax, you become more connected to who you are because that tension in your body is often mental stress. And how does stress manifest in your mind? It manifests as worries, repeating thoughts over and over again. So we hold too much tension in our bodies. We have too many uh, excessive worries in our minds, too many thoughts, looping thoughts going around and I did learn that in psychology, 95% of the thoughts you have today are the same ones you have yesterday. So I was like, that is mental tension. It is like contracting your mind or contracting your muscles. So as you relax, you relax your mind, your mind becomes clear. You get connected to who you are. As you relax your body, we start to get more energy and more in tune with flow state. And that is one of the first principles that I found with these superhumans is being able to relax and quiet the mind and relax and calm down the body and really get into flow state. And flow state is where peak performance and your, your power and potential start to emerge. And that comes from relaxation. Yeah, well, that's brilliant. That's so well said. Um, and thank you for sharing that anecdote. That was a very graphic uh, <laughs> image. Yeah. Right, we, can all, we can all relate, right? <laughs> that was great. You know, I think, um, Sometimes it's like, what do we do? What do we do to tap in? Because we're all busy. 
we're parents, we're working, we got responsibilities. So, you know, I think it's just important to take some time each and every day to tap into your energy, to clear your stress, because your best self, the self that feels so good to you is only like 15, 20 minutes away, maybe a half an hour away. And so how do we navigate from where I am in stress mode or worry or in pain? How do we navigate to a place within ourselves that feels energized, relaxed, you know, stress-free, connected to a higher power? How do we navigate that? You know, where's, where's the map? And I feel like you know, through all my travels and teachings and through this docu-series, you know, what I've been able to do is just help people, give them the map. You know, I don't walk the journey for you. You become your own best master. Here's the map. Okay, I'm at stress. I want to get to relaxation. I'm at low energy. I want to get to, you know, charged up. You know, I'm not passionate about what I'm doing. How do I get to inspiration? And so there's a sequence that you can do that, that, if you do this each and every day, the masters of wisdom from antiquity have shown us very clearly how we, how we access our inner power and our potential. And I think we're just, we need to realize that there's so much more potential to tap into than we, than we recognize. And that unfortunately we spend way more time investing in our finances than our chi, than our life force energy, and way more time on our computers and our social media than we do just looking at our own consciousness. And it's not to say don't do those things, it's just to say also invest in who you are because you have magic and miracles ready to be excavated from within you. And um, that's what we've seen as we've gone around the world and studied and trained with these incredible people. And uh, they're not unusual, they're just like you and I, they've just put the time and the energy into it and trained really hard. So. Um, that, that power and potential is with, within us all and it's accessible. And I think that's exciting. And that when we tap in individually, think what we could do collectively and how we could really shift the nature of the world out of this survival mode and animosity and into kindness and compassion. And I think that's the big vision of what we can, we can do uh, when we collaborate together and when we're tapped in and turned on to our power and potential. That's really great. That's excellent words, words of wisdom, Lee. Can't thank you enough for that. Uh, and it's, uh, I love the way you framed it. It's, it is so tangible and accessible. It's really just a matter of 15, 20 minutes a day to, to achieve happiness. Yeah, exactly. And if people want, um, can, if, let me um, tell people where to find some of the yeah, stuff. Please, that, by all means. Okay, yeah. Um, searchingforsuperhumans.com. You got some free scenes on there and then uh, access to the docu-series. And then my Qigong practice is just my name, HoldenQigong.com. And the hardest part about Qigong is how to spell it. So it's Q-I-Q-I-G-O-N-G, Holden Qigong, Q-I-G-O-N-G. And that's where you have, you know, everything from a 30-day challenge, which is like seven minutes a day to uh, a teacher training and condition-specific trainings all in between. So that's where folks can find if they want more information. That's perfect. Lee, thank you so much again. Really do thank appreciate you. it. Thank you so much. It's been great to have this conversation.